Hello and welcome to the New York Rangers podcast brought to you in partnership with Inside the Rink. I'm your host, Jacob Berkowitz, and I'm alongside my co-host, Shragi. Shragi, welcome back. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's good to be back. So we'll be, with, uh, we'll be having an interview with Drew. Uh, some of you know him from Twitter. He's a great guy. Uh, knows a lot about analytics, unlike myself. And um, first, a word from our sponsor, and then we'll get right to it. A quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for their 27th year live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry. Bet US. You bet. You win. You get paid. BetUS.com. And we're back, and we're now here with Shragi, your co-host, as long as, as long with our guest, Drew. Drew, how's it going? It's going. I'm curious. So why are, are you the host and Shragi's the co-host? What, what's the story behind that there? So I'm the host, yeah, and Shragi is the uh, co-host. Why is he relegated to co-host? What, what the hell did he do? <laughs> <laughs> no, you have to realize the way, Drew, the way we met was actually through a friend. We were actually playing fantasy hockey where I'm actually the worst team. Um, so yeah, that's actually how we actually met as, uh, and to bring this about. And and you guys decided, Hey, let's do a freaking podcast together. (laughs) So I I confronted a lot of people and then he says, and then one of my friends says, Hey, you know, I know a guy Shroggy, he might be down to do it because everyone's like way too busy to do this. And, uh, I texted Shroggy, I'm like, Hey, I, I know, I don't know you very well. We just do a fantasy league, but would you be up for doing, uh, a yeah a podcast and the thing was is you know i would handle you know the business side of things because obviously he's tense he has a life while i don't and uh yeah that was basically it yeah i mean you got to your point i mean it is it's a lot like a lot of people think that doing a podcast is just ah oh, we'll just shoot the shit here and there and uh then we're good but if you want it to be successful you have to stay committed and and most importantly on a particular schedule and you know for those that don't know you know i'm kind of loosely associated with blue shirts breakaway you know ryan and greg over there and one of the reasons why they're as successful as they are is because every single week no matter what they record i mean one of the funniest episodes ever was greg was like crying in pain because he like pulled his hamstring in a kickball game or some shit and recorded <laughs> driving home and every time he turned he just like screamed out in pain and ryan made fun of him and it was just absolutely <laughs> hilarious yeah those those two are those those two are great um eh, don't pump their tires too much they're all right <laughs> yeah, believe me well, no you- i know i know you weren't um I know Ryan on Twitter today was like both saying, oh, he got something right. And you uh, weren't very happy about that. <laughs> I in, our, in the discord, I posted that. I said, I muted this shit immediately. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So let's go on to our first topic here. Um, so, Drew, what can you tell us about with I know it's a general question with Lafreni and Kako. Like, why? Why do we have these two? Now, I'm not saying they're bust by any count, like. That's not what I'm saying. It's just like you see Lucas Raymond, right? You see Zegris. You see they come in. They're already in, like coming into their own. Well, you have two guys here that are are still trying to do that. Now I'm not. That's nothing on them. Is that? Do you think more on the team or do you think the players? What, what do you think is going on there? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. First of all, a lot of it's situation. Um, we're, we're talking about all the highest level uh, of prospects here, right? Um, you know, I get it. Trevor Zegers wasn't number one in his class the way Lafreniere was, but Trevor Zegers was a phenomenally gifted prospect. Um, should have gone higher in the draft than they did, quite frankly. Lucas Raymond, uh, that year I was banging the drum saying, guess what? Lucas Raymond is the third best in this class uh, behind only Byfield and Lafreniere. And I would have definitely taken him over Stutzler who every, you know, all the traditional pundits were saying, no, no, it's Tim Stutzler. Um, and you know, he, he's been lighting the world on fire, but, but I think it's really important to note that when you look at it, you know, Zegers and Raymond are put in situations where they are the guys, they are the ones that are being asked to score, to be relied upon on the power play. And they're being put in situations to succeed. Whereas Kako and Lafreniere's first, you know, look, Kako's first two years, Lafreniere's first year was with David Quinn, who, you know, I'm not going to sit here and bash him too hard but his biggest fault yeah well his biggest fault is that he made players afraid to be themselves he was too much of a disciplinarian um you know for i'm 33 years old i'm in a managerial role at my company um so you know i can speak a bit to about what it's like to manage you know 20 year olds most of the people that i manage are between the age of 22 and 28 i'd say and that tough love attitude yeah maybe that works on a couple people here and there but that worked great in the 50s and 60s and maybe the 70s. It doesn't work anymore. You're pro- right. It's proven time and time and time again in any industry and in any management level that you know positive reinforcement works better than negative reinforcement. And Quinn's style was you mess up, you're in the Quinn bit. You sit. And how are you supposed to thrive as a young, talented player if you're afraid to make a mistake? And, you know, to Gallant's credit, or Gallant, I guess is how we fucking pronounce his name now, um, <laughs> to his credit, you know, he's much better at empowering his players to play his game. Kako has really done well. Um, he was phenomenal on the Panarin and Strom line because, in my opinion, he's just a perfect fit skill-wise. Plus, you know, he, he's a really good player. Um, and Lafreniere is, you know, he's doing okay, but he's still playing hesitant. He's still obviously playing afraid to make the mistake. He He's deferring too much. He, it's very clear that he is playing tentative, and that is well, not his well, game Drew- at all. But I'll tell you this much, you know, you're you're trying to like, everyone tries to bring in Zegras, you know, as the prime example of someone that has been successful as a rookie. Meanwhile, if you look at his, his, the way he is on ice, you know, it doesn't, you know, the actual stats of a player by himself, um, it could tell you a lot about the player's actual talent, but what he does for a team is so different. When I look at Alex Lafarnier compared to Zegras, uh, Lafarnier has 60 hits this year compared to Zegris just 15, which means Lafarnier is around the ice. He's being productive. He's not, he's plays hard off the puck besides for on the puck. Um, and though he hasn't scored as much and we would like to see that more of him as well as Kako. I mean, you could look at Lafarnier and Kako and say, well, they do think that Zegris does not do for their team. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and obviously, like, you don't get drafted in number one and number two overall to be the guy who's defensive and hitting and stuff like that. But to your point, that certainly does matter and that should be taken into context. Uh, but really, above all, I would just say, like, the biggest thing you see is Lucas Raymond is empowered to play his game a skill game that is mainly focused on offensive possession driving driving the net you know working you know the cycle and stuff like that and scoring whereas in his first year Lafreniere was kind of jerked around by Quinn the whole time and his confidence was shot Kako has been very open about um you know how (laughs) shot his confidence was from Quinn and I'm not going to sit here and be like hey I'm Mr. Insider or whatever but I do have a couple you know 
I don't want to call them sources, but I do know a few people that are very, very closely associated with the team, particularly the European players. And I'll tell you that that sentiment was not only felt by the young players. Most of at least the European players, I know for a fact, felt that Quinn was way too much kind of an old school, you play my style or you sit. And which just, it's just like college philosophy. To, yeah, it's just not the way you do things nowadays. Well, do you feel it was, it, this is all gallant or that that's, you know, at least shown that Kako and Lafarnier's positivity, uh, at least this year? Or do you feel like maybe with this team um, um, in general, that they, that they are in general together uh, doing better, which makes Kako and Lafarnier having more success? I would say both of those points are fair. And um, that's one of the things Gallant is, or Gallant, Jesus, is uh, you know, known for, <laughs> is he is a great personnel manager. Too many of us on Twitter get too ingrained in worrying about lineup combinations and line pairs and stuff like that. In the NHL, a coach's ability to manage the personalities of the room and be like a tri- traditional personnel manager is just as important as any of the on-ice X's and O's. And Gallant is, for years, been one of the best players coaches one of the best personnel managers among coaches in the game and that and he is you know largely to be credited for a lot of the positive culture changes we've seen with the rangers uh with jeff gorton for example you know again i'll I'll speak to some of the things i know from behind the scenes um jeff gorton i think did a pretty good job i I think he people write off his successes as luck too much i think it's kind of missing the boat on some of the positive things gorton did but his biggest detractor is he treated people like assets too much he, he didn't really understand the psychological aspect of being a general manager which is you're not just making trades and, and acquisitions and drafting you're also a personnel manager of an entire organization and part of the culture issues that kind of plagued the rangers were f- for a few years there were because and again i was told this by people directly involved with the team Gorton treated too often treated people like assets and not like people. And that kind of led to some of the issues that you saw. Would you, uh-huh. would you say, so I actually been dying to ask you this question uh, for a little bit. Would you say that if Lucas Raymond was a New York Ranger right now and Alexei Lafreni was in Detroit, I know we can't predict, we can't tell whatever would have happened, but based, based on, you know, what you think, how do you think it would play? You think it would play that, Raymond would be struggling now with the Rangers and Lafreniere would be exploding with Detroit. Do you think it would still play out the same way? Um, I would say I'll caveat it with this. I don't know either of them on a personal level enough to really answer that because I think a lot to be able to answer the question you just asked, you really need to know the people on a personal level and understand what makes them tick, what makes them shy away, things like that. But I will certainly say that if Alexei Lafreniere was given on this Rangers team half the opportunity that Raymond is given on Detroit, nobody would be talking about him being a bust. Um, so uh, yeah, I would certainly say that. Um, so again, w- with the caveat being, you don't know how the, you know, how would Raymond react to living in Manhattan and dealing with a coach like Gallant and a GM like Drury and the pressure of being New York. I- I'm not sure, but I just know if Lafreniere had the you know, Ceteris Paribus, everything equal, the same opportunity as Raymond, he certainly would have much better counting stats. I mean, you also realize, Drew, that, you know, this is New York. I've seen this with every sports team. In look New at the York, Yankees, really. Christ. Every yeah, I know. pitcher that's ever come exactly, to the Exactly, exactly. Look at every team in New York. Look at the Knicks rookies. Look at the, the Yankees rookies. I mean, in general, I think anyone that comes to New York, it's very, very hard on a rookie because 
you're coming to New York. I you know you know what I mean. Like you're going to it's Detroit. Not just rookies, where, players in general. Right, players in general. True, Jacob. That, that's very true. Players in general, when you come to New York, and and the reason why is because the media is so much more focused. And take every single New York player, um, um, uh, Jacob, Andrew. You you both know every single time Kako and Lafarnier has makes a bad play or a bad thing, Twitter's blowing up about them. Right, Kako, Buzz, Lafarnier, Buzz. Yes. Are you kidding me? Give these guys a chance. Stop bashing them. How do you expect a rookie to even like have any confidence when every day when they look at their phone, they're just seeing, oh, uh, we're being bashed because uh, I made a rookie mistake. Yeah, and I'll say this. I don't want to sit here and just wax poetic about both Lafreniere and Kako and excuse them of all blame. Like, yes, certainly there are areas for improvement with both. Kako needs to shoot more. That is undoubtedly true. And Kako needs to become a little bit more confident with the puck in transition, in my opinion. Lafreniere needs to have better focus in the defensive end. Too often does he kind of get lost and chases the play. And all of a sudden, the side of the ice that he was on is now wide open. And the opponent can move it over there you're toast um and obviously Lafreniere also you know he's I think his shooting percentage is like 16 percent or some shit like that which is great wow. he's just not shooting enough you know um so there are certainly areas for improvement so do not interpret what I'm saying as just absolving them of all blame but what I am saying is There's I am blame still to go on all sides right exactly and right. and I'm just I'm still very confident that, you know, maybe they won't become the pie in the sky hopes and dreams that people thought on draft night they might be. But I'm very confident that both of them will still become reliable top line players in the NHL. But well, what were the, what, well, let me ask both of you, what are your biggest positivities from Kyle Lafarnier? For me, I'd say it's Lafarnier. He does have a great speed, he's very physical off the puck, Kako's around the net well. What do you see in Kako and Lafarnier that you say, you know what, that's a real, that's a real positivity when they're on the ice? Yeah, Jacob, you go first. I've been dominating this conversation, so please <laughs> have the floor. Um, I think, I don't know, maybe, <clears throat> sorry, I, I don't know from analytics standpoint, because Drew, you know, I <laughs> suck at analytics. I come asking you. That's my part. Point. That's my part. <laughs> exactly. Um, it just seems like a friendly is better at forechecking than last year. I don't know. I, I know there's still a lot of work to be done. It just seems he's more initiative of like, you know, going to those dirty areas than he was last year. Um, in regards to Kako, I honestly, man, I, I know we're going to talk about this later. I, I don't know why Galant Galant, yeah, whatever. It took him off the Panarin Stromwine because his confidence was growing, growing, growing. I, I don't know what the hell you're doing there. Um but, yeah, no, I, I like um, Kako's confidence more. Obviously, he's stick handling. He's got a, a little bit of work to do. But I, I think this season coming in, you had to see some more positives from him, and you're seeing them. Um, yeah, obviously, as you said, it doesn't absolve them of any, like, there's still blame on their side. But, you know, it's not all on them. Yeah, and for me, it's with Kako, it's a two-way game. Um, you kind of see, a, this is a bit of a hyperbolic comparison, obviously, but you see a bit of a Mark Stone in Kako's game in terms of he's not going to wow you with his skating, but his intelligence, his ability to protect the puck, his defensive and offensive awareness, his ability to play in front of the net uh, is all there. And you just want to see that continue to build game in and game out out and with the Lafreniere it's his vision it's it's when he's in the offensive zone he consistently even though I I will stand by I think he's playing too timid and I think he really needs someone to really reassure him more that he just you know take some chances play your game but despite that he still makes a lot of passes that me as the viewer on the tv like when he makes the pass I'm like what are you doing and then he threads it through you know the opposition I'm like ah right he saw this lane that I 
couldn't see at all. And his offensive vision is absolutely elite. And it's just, you just need to empower him more to, to make those plays more often. Um, but yeah, so it's, you know, for me, Kako, it's the two way play. And I would say the net front presence. He, he is really right. impressed me in front of the net this that, year. Right. This, that, that's and, the one thing I was, I was, I was going to actually, yeah. uh, that I, I would say is Kako is fantastic in front of the net. And, yeah. and that's why I feel he doesn't have to be the best guy in his line, any guy on his line, you know what I mean? And, and someone well, who puts the puck to the net, he's going to have a good vision in, in a sense. Yeah. And to your guys' point, and you both sort of hit on this, um, I understand why they moved into the top line. The thought was, Kako, you are the best right winger on our team. We will try you on the top line. I'm all for trying something new. Like Fox and, and Lingren, for example, I'm all for splitting them up and see how that works. We know for a fact it works really well. What's the harm in giving a couple games and pairing Fox with Miller and Lingren with uh, Truba and seeing how that works out? Worst case, you can always switch it back. So I don't mind trying something new with Kako. But the problem is it's a bit redundant. He doesn't fit from a skill perspective on the top line. It's advantage as a shooter. Kreider's a net front, you know, power forward. Kako is also kind of a net front power forward. Uh, he fits much better. And, and so that top line, like he's actually doing okay. Statistically speaking, he's done pretty well, at least with the underlying numbers on that top line. But it just, it's, it's a bit redundant. And it, that skill set doesn't mesh well, but he is perfect on a line with Panarin and Strom. And that's why when he was on that line, what would he put up like eight points in nine games or something like that? Right. So like, I was shocked. Like, yeah. what, It's one thing if that line wasn't doing well, right? So as you said, switch it up. But they were doing well and confident. Kako was gaining his confidence. So I, I don't know what you're doing switching him right away. Like, give him time. This well, was the time he was gaining confidence. I, I don't know what I, you're doing. Again, I'll say what he's doing is, like, I'm sure you're giving him confidence to saying, let's promote you to the top line now. And, and I'll be very clear. Uh, we're too archaic and are thinking of this is line one, this is line two. With the Rangers, it's the top six. Lines one and two get deployed pretty equally. Um, but it's okay to be like, Hey, let's, let's try this out because the way you can spin it from a confidence perspective is we're promoting you to the top line. Now let's give it a shot. But to your point, it's pretty clear that he meshed well, way better with Panarin and Strom. So in my opinion, they should have reverted back to let, let's drop him that back down to the second line and see if anyone else can work on that top line. To be honest, like, I know some might not want to he- hear this, but I think if you gave Heedle a shot at right, right wing on that top line, I think he could be a really good skill set fit. Yeah, because um, he has nice speed also. I don't know. I, I actually disagree with that. I, I think I really disagree with that. I don't think Heedle you're, has You're allowed to be us- wrong. It's okay. No, 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 no. I'll tell you why. <laughs> you know, I know, Drew, I know you feel like last night Heedle played well. But I haven't seen from him really like he's back to himself. He hasn't really he's seen not. I, He's not I, I back himself. Why am I well, but right now he's playing line? with freaking McKeg. Well, well I'll okay, but he's on. He's. Why do I care about that? I don't care if he's not showing anything himself, and he doesn't look like a hundred percent. Why am I putting him on a first line and ruining my entire first line? Or, well, because again, I mean? I'll answer you. It's because I think it's a skill set fit. It's you know, there's a reason why Jesper Foss was always analytically speaking, at least okay on that top line, because he did some things that freed up the space for Zabanajad and Kreider, whoever else was on that top line to, to operate. And, and so I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that Hedl has not played to a level where I'm like, he deserves this promotion. I'm simply just saying from a skill set perspective, I think he's a decent fit with them. W- what they need on the right wing is someone who can help drive possession and play make. Um, so anyone that you think fits that bill, I'm happy to try on the right wing there. Hedl was just sort of the one that came to mind. Right. But you realize that if you put, I don't think you score more goals or win more games by having Hedl up there at this point right now. 
you might be right, but my only point is just give it a shot, see what happens. Like we right, know like no, what no isn't harm in trying. Yeah, we know what isn't working right now, and we know this team is absolutely dog shit on the rush and in transition. They are last in the NHL at rush chances. A lot of that is by design. Gallant, Gallant for years has preached dump and chase. It is a uh, more risk averse. Um, they got wrecked strategy by LA because of that. Well, yeah, it's a risk-averse strategy, the dump and chase, because it's it's harder for the opponent to kind of counterattack on you if you're dumping and chasing. But you know what? Like we have the skip, we have the puck movers on the blue line, and we have the skill and the speed on the forwards to try to be more aggressive transitional team and try to generate more off the rush. And we are dead last in the NHL in rush chances. And again, that is by design. That's not an accident. That is what the Rangers coaching wants them to be. And I think that's a huge mistake. What that's, were they last what, year? Uh, I'll be honest. I'm not sure. I don't have that. And for, I just earlier today, I was having a conversation with Josh Calfin of anyone knows who he is on Twitter. Um, and him and I were going back and forth about this and we both dug up this data on the rush chance this, um, but it's just, again, this is by design though. Gallant preached dump and chase in the preseason and it is very much by design. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot that you need to do, in my opinion, to kind of shake up the team a bit. Uh, there's a reason why they keep getting caved in at 5v5, but are phenomenal on the, it's both the power play and the penalty kill. And we've banked enough points where I'm just like, just try something new. If it doesn't work, fine, go back to, you know, the way things were before. But like, you know, Adam, and, and I really, and I'm going to really rant here, but like, I, I really can't stand when some folks are like, no, you can't split up Fox and Lingering because they have great chemistry. Like, yeah, that's true. But like, you're really, really underrating how special Fox is. If you think he can't still be Adam Fox, if he doesn't have Ryan Lingering. I mean, he played pair. with Hayek, man. That's he played with Hayek and Hayek put up by far the <laughs> oh highest game score of the entire season. Wow. Adam Fox is the type of player. Adam Fox is in the conversation for the smartest defenseman in the NHL. He's the type of player that will make anyone you put with him better i mean don't and start yes. with avalanches don't start with avalanche fan on that you know what i mean no yeah let's McCarr, go see kel mccarr, McCarr is yet. a more dynamic talent than fox that's indisputable anyone that argues against that is just being a homer if you want to talk about defender complete. i mean if you talk about a smart defender yes I mean, fox is in the conversation for the highest hockey sense of any defenseman in the nhl he will make anyone you put with him better just try putting him with miller and putting Linger in with Truba because Truba has the reputation for being def- a defensive D-man because he hits. That's not his game. Truba is an offensive defenseman. Put him with Lindgren. Put Fox with Miller. Just see how it works. If it doesn't work, switch it back. You can go on Twitter and say, hey, Drew, you dumbass. You were wrong. That's fine. <laughs> Just fucking give it a try. Um, well, this team, I don't know how much tries they're going to give at this point because you have every day you don't know who's available. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I no, mean, obviously easier said than done. And, and that's a good point. Speaking of like before, when we were mentioning the power play, I, I, I read, I wrote this article a while, a while back. Um, I honestly, beyond me, do not understand why Strom is on that line. Cause it, there are so many chances where I see Panarin slides it across. And because Strom is a right-handed shot, first of all, even if it's an open net, he ain't hitting it. Um, he, he, it takes the couple of seconds where the goalie split, split second and it's a save. And as well as you got two left-handed defense, uh, two left-handed offensemen that you need to give ice time to. So what are you doing there? I'll say this: I agree that Strom doesn't deserve to be on the power play line. He is because of the redundancy and the handedness. But we have enough of a sample. I know I just kind of downplayed chemistry. We do have enough of a sample size to see that. I don't know why. I can't quantify it. I I, I don't. But him and Panarin just work and put Kako back on the line. Put a net front guy who can shoot back on their line and that line will take off 
So you wouldn't switch Strom for one of Kogolov running on the power play? Oh, on the power play, I would, for sure. That's my point. Was I'm saying I agree with you on the power play. When you first started oh, okay, talking gotcha. about why is he on the second line, I'm like, I- I'm fine with him centering Panarin and whoever's on the right right wing there. But yeah, on the power play, I would put Lafreniere or Kako there because I do exactly what you said. I think him, you know, his handedness, he's just a redundancy on that top power play unit. And I would certainly switch that up. And, and again, I, I understand the power play has been phenomenal. It's been, been one of the best aspects of the team. And I get the mentality of don't fix what isn't broken, but again, we've banked these points. Now is the time to try some things out to see if we can make things better. And if we can't, whatever it's, you know, no harm, no foul. Well, so, me and Jacob, me and Jacob were discussing it. I think it was, uh, I forgot which podcast it was. We were discussing that. You also don't know what each of these players are in the locker room yeah. and to the team. And someone like Strom, it seems like has like a real grasp on this team and putting him on a line with Panarin that seems to be working. And let's say, you know, putting Kako there gives confidence to Kako because he's with the guy of the team, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you also have to look at that. I mean, if you have a guy like Strom who's putting, you know, being a sort of a leader for this team in a sense, you can't really throw him around and give less confidence to everyone else. Like, uh, is our leader really a leader? Like, I'll, I, I agree. Uh, I will say, though, that I think if you're really a leader, you can you don't need to be a, a leader in ice time or production. You can be a leader in the room. I mean, look at Ryan Callahan. That. Yeah, exactly. Ryan Reeves is a great example. Yeah, I love Ryan Reeves, but I'm sorry, he's not a good player anymore. Like, right. also, said, no, I said I'm, Ryan Callahan, but yeah, also Ryan Reeves. Yeah, but oh, I thought you said Ryan Reeves. Yeah, no. well, <laughs> well, Ryan Reeves is a better example. Ryan Reeves is not really a good player anymore. But I'm perfectly happy with him being on this team because players love him. And the culture stuff does matter. I'm an analytics nerd. I'm the first one to that would usually kind of dismiss stuff like that. I, I'm telling you, I just know from and managing people for 10 plus years now work, the culture stuff, the, the personnel fit, the how happy is everyone matters so much. Uh, and so that's why Ryan Reeves is valuable. Just he doesn't need to you know, be playing on the third line or be playing a whole bunch of minutes. <laughs> he can kind My of favorite part a, of Reeves is just his kill vision. You know, he's looking around he's, the ice. Yo, who, who do I got now? <laughs> and, I, and you know what? He's just a good dude. Like hockey yeah. has so many not good dudes And he's, and in he's it. trying on offense. He's trying. Like, honestly, you know I'm totally mean? fine with paying him $1 million just just to be in the locker room. Like, yeah, just have that guy in the locker room. So well, yeah, one yeah. more thing before we go on to the next topic here. Would, I, I know when, when I would ask this, people would probably say Kako put on the first power play. But maybe would it be smarter to put Lafreniere? Because since Lafreniere doesn't have that ice time, I mean, he's got to get it somewhere. Because I, I know he's on the second line now. I don't know if that's going to last. Assuming that doesn't last because uh, I, I, I don't know. Just kind of a gut feeling. Yeah. Uh, I- yeah, I'll say I don't have a strong opinion at which one you put on the top power play unit, but I would like to give both of them a shot and see which one kind of just gels better there would, would be my take. Got it. Um, all right. So the next one was that regarding these rumors with Chikrin, I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. his name right, right? Yeah, I think it's Jacob Chikrin. No, some yeah. people say Chitrin. Chitrin, well, Chitrin really? pronounced his own name as Chikrin on Elliot Friedman's podcast. So I'll go with that. All right. Yeah, we'll go with that. Um do you think he – I know, like, the Rangers, obviously, like, we all know the 5-5 five five sucks. Um, we mm-hmm. traded Butch Nevich for a freaking bag of pucks. Do, <laughs> Careful, do, you're really going to piss off a portion of Rangers Twitter with that one. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but basically – no, listen, I love Blay, but <laughs> it's not, you know. Um, yeah, no, no. So the, we wanted, to, you know, to bring these assets for, you know, another top six forward. 
so is it smart to maybe use these assets on Jacob Chikrin, or do we think it's just too good of an opportunity to pass up on? I mean, it's a, excuse me, it's a good question. Um, personally, I mean, sorry, Ch- Chitrin is a phenomenal player. Um, he's having a terrible year this year too, but that's because of the situation, he's not because Arizona. of him. Yeah, and so uh, my, my take is like, if you can get him for a value, I would get him, but I would not pay top dollar for him right now, given the needs of the team. Um, if you're talking, you're open to doing a rental, Tomas Hurdle is by far the bell of the ball, in my opinion, in terms of who is a rental that's available that I think a truly. I think I spoke to team. you. That was like my dream to do. Yeah, that 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 he is fantastic. He's everything the Rangers need. He's a center. He's a two-way player. He's dynamic offensively. He's great in transition. He he Tomas Hurdle is in my opinion right now the Rangers are a team that they're a good team. Obviously they have some significant flaws. They'll, they'll make the playoffs. They're not a cup contender, but they're that team that a cup contender doesn't really want to play because they have the high-end talent and because they have the goaltending. So they'll be a scary out for any like actually elite team. But if you add Tomas Hurdle to the mix, and now you're rolling out Hurdle, Strom, and Zibanejad at center, and you have now the flexibility to maybe move Hedl to the wing somewhere and elevate some other players, like you might now be in that actual contender conversation. I mean, you're still not Colorado, but hockey is a league where the best team rarely actually wins every year. And so you are now at least, I think, strongly in consideration for that conversation of, hey, can this team win a few rounds in the playoffs? Well, you- I think there's I think there's something here that I, I mentioned to uh, Stat Boy Steven, for everyone who knows him. Uh, I had this conversation with him after, the, uh, I think it was the Golden Knights game. And there are two points I wanted to make, and then I'll hear what, what, what both of you have to say. First point is, the Rangers are not one piece away. We know that. They have a bunch of holes, and we need to fill them. And I don't know if they could be filled with just this free agency. But in connection to that, uh, my second point, are, can the Rangers please decide, is this an all-in year or is this a year where we're saying, you know, now that we're like showing that we do have talent, let's just like make maybe some basic trades. Don't throw all of our pieces out the window now. Wait for the offseason. If we could win a couple rounds with the team we have, good. If not, let's make some good moves with the pieces we have, with the players we're willing to part with and try to get ourselves next year to be even better. You'll have Kako in another year. You have Lafarnier in another year. And you'll have, you'll have a decision which defender you're keeping with Schneider or uh, Longquist. You could decide on other decisions that you need. Are you keeping Strom on this line or that line? Are you bringing a, a, which right ringer and center and defender are we bringing in? But to say right now to bring in Chikrin, I mean, I don't know how, how I don't know how important that is. I don't know. I think that you're right. Thomas Hurdle's more important, but I think there's too many holes to say that right now. Let's go waste. Well, Chicken has Chikrin. term though. Chicken has term. I mean, reasonable at four. And Even so, I mean, is he is he a piece away? Is he someone that you're saying that I could have him for the next four years and he's going to win? He's going to help me win this championship? Or are we going to say, you know what, a rental right now? I'd rather be able to have my rental of Thomas Hurdle. I'll say this. Um, yes, it's true. The Rangers are more than just a piece away. But again, hockey is not a league where the best team wins the cup every year. Far from it. In fact, you just Canadians. need to be in the conversation. Yeah, Canadians. I mean, look at most of the fucking Kings, the years they won. Oh, um, God, PTSD, man. Let's so even up. bring that up. Yeah, so but it's, that, that the point again. being is I think that hurdle puts you in the conversation there. Um, but to your point as well, 
I would caution people from simply saying, ah, we'll just, you know, just rebuild for next year because there isn't a lot of cap flexibility next year. So if you're kicking the can down the road, be like, no, next year is the year you attack or the year after that, you're either thinking that you can make a significant trade, aka trade a Kreider or a Truba or some sort of real salary in order to make an addition, or you're just really relying on the organic growth of your youth, which is fine. And that might be the route to go. Personally, I'm okay going after Hurdle this year because the way our prospect pipeline is, is we don't have a true blue chip prospect. We don't have someone where you trade him away. Now the you're, you're quote unquote mortgaging the future. That's not the case with this team. We, we don't have that piece that trading him away is, oh, now you're mortgaging the future. We do have a lot of depth in our prospect pipeline though. Um, and so I have no problem dealing like a pick or two and like a prospect um, in order to Who get a Hurdle give? on a rental. Uh, I mean- obviously your, your top prospects are Zach Jones, Braden Schneider, and Brennan Offman. You, you don't, obviously you want to try to negotiate one of them out of there, but if you can put one of them in and therefore now you don't have to include your first round pick this year, that that's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, the point is there's no one that's quote unquote untouchable in that conversation. Tomas Hurdle, again, I'll, I'll say it again. I, I think he's a true difference maker. He is someone that could really elevate the Rangers from a ah, cute, team that'll be a tough out to oh you really don't want to play this team now um and we don't have like anyone that's like like if we traded Braden Schneider I know people love him and and he's a very good player but he's not some future multi-time all-star at least he's not likely to be that you're not trading away some top end you know it's not like you're trading you know it's not like you've been trading away like Mertz Sider or Lucas Raymond or, or some of these other names or you know that we've been talking about um it's you know he's more on the level of like a Vegas giving up Peyton Krebs for Jack Eichel. Um, so another thing is that what about if you say you get Chikrin, but you also get the rental of the right winger, Phil Kessel. I just don't think Phil Kessel is that good anymore. To be honest, um, I was on the blue shirts breakaway podcast last night and they asked me who I'd give up for Kessel. And my answer was not much like Kessel, right. At this point in his career, he's still an okay skater, uh, but he's not really a possession driver or anything. He's not, he, he's just a, a finisher and he'd help, but he doesn't really do anything else. And, I, and I'm not sure he's the best fit in the Rangers top six right now. He might be okay on the second line, but if you could get Kessel for a third round pick or something, okay, cool. But I'm not giving up significant assets for Kessel at this point in his career, other than the obvious fact that, yeah, it would be hilarious for the memes. Yeah, no, that, that he, he would definitely be entertaining. Um, so if you had the assets to go after one or the other, um, who would you go after? Obviously Chikrin. I mean, imagine Chikrin and Fox. I mean, that's, that's one of the top, that becomes one of the top areas in the league. Depends on the asking price, right? So if, if Arizona is reasonable in the asking price and you can get him at a discount, a bit of a discount because of the poor year he's having, then he's the answer because he is, I mean, last year he he was legit, a legit Norris candidate recently. Um, but again, so it's, it depends on what is the cost difference between hurdle and, and chicken. If it's more or less, you know, kind of close then yeah, obviously chicken, he's a better player and has more term, but if there, you can get hurdle at significantly, significantly less than, than hurdle. It's, it's all cost dependent. Right. I think, I think that's a good point. You really have to look at what teams are asking. It looks like right, right now at this point, you know, I don't think the sharks put out what they want for hurdle. Um, but we do know that Chikrin seems to be that they're going to want a nice amount from them due to his contract and his age and how he's playing. Um, and you can't really look at his stats. 
People shouldn't look mm -hmm. at his stats. He's on a terrible Coyotes team. You can't look at his stats and try to figure that. He's a minus 29. You can't even look at that. You can't even decide on that because he's not on a good team. Uh, but in basics, I think you really have to, Drew's bringing up a fantastic point where you have to really look at what you're getting back for them. Because as a Ranger team, you, you, you know that you have, uh, you, you have talent on your team and you don't want to ruin all your talent by throwing some of it away. And we know about that with Buchnevich. You don't want to just send the player away because not exactly have we uh, seen the greatest from that type of thing. But uh, yeah, we have to see what, what, what do they want for her to, are they asking for more or less than Chikrin? Um, you know? I, yeah, no, I know, I know the Coyotes, it was reported they wanted a like Eichel trade, which is a first, a top prospect. What is it? And then an, another young pair, player and then maybe a mid-round pick. That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, again, it's what are we talking about here? Is is that top prospect? Are, are we talking a first Braden Schneider, a third, and insert a young roster player? No, I'll, I'll say no. But if you're talking a first Carl Henriksen, you know, a third or a fourth, and like a Morgan Barron, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Do you value Braden Schneider or Lundqvist more? I value Lundqvist more. Um, I think it's important to understand that this time last year, Lundqvist was literally unprecedented good in the SHL, one of the best adult leagues in the world. He outright won the award for best Swedish defenseman, regardless of age. He broke all sorts of scoring records for a defenseman his age. And you have to understand that's a big fucking adjustment, being a 21-year-old kid coming from a completely different ice size, completely different country, language, culture, coaching style coming to New York. Um, you need to give him some time to adjust. Um, when I did my preseason Rangers prospect rankings, yeah, when I did my Rangers preseason prospect rankings, I had Lundqvist as our number one prospect and on a tier of his own, and then Schneider on the next tier. And Schneider's been good this year in Hartford, but he hasn't been some world beater. Like he's not all of a sudden, you know, Maurice Sider or something like that. He, He's, I'm, I like that they're going to give him a shot and interested to see how he does. But he's, again, Schneider is, in my opinion, at least his most likely outcome is a very good second pair defenseman or like a lot Ryan Lindgren type where it's like, yeah, he can play in the top pair. He can be good there, but he's not some future all-star or something like that. Whereas Lundqvist, I understand he hasn't lit the world on fire this year, but he legitimately has the upside to be a truly special, you know, offensive defenseman who's better defensively than people give him credit for. So if, if you value, right, Lundqvist over Schneider, why not? So where would Schneider fit in this lineup, right? So wouldn't you then rather trade that asset for a chick run? Well, for me, yes. But the Rangers, I have it a very good authority, value Schneider more than Lundqvist. So what I feel and what the Rangers feel are two completely different scenarios right, right now. Um, so it, it's hard to say there. Um, but I have it on very good authority that the Rangers feel Braden Schneider is their best defensive prospect and not Niels Lundqvist. Oh, wow. So if there would be a package, you would expect Lundqvist and they're not Schneider. That's what I would expect based on, yes, people that I've spoken to, yes. But if it's me, Drew Way, GM of the Rangers, then Schneider is the one I'm trading before Lundqvist. I hope you're um, also getting yeah. Nemeth and putting him in a cab. No, <laughs> Uh, but, you know, you also realize that Lundqvist has played and shown what he could do. And we have not seen Schneider in the bigs right now. And the fact that they bring him up, you know, uh, I mean, he has, we know he has a lot of talent. So I think it's very important also to realize that teams are going to maybe go for Lundqvist over Schneider because they've seen what he could do or Schneider over Lundqvist because 
of what he's because, he, because he's the mystery box that could right, be a exactly boat. that maybe you could open <laughs> exactly um you know you, you don't want to you don't want to also send away the you know let's say let's say you send away a guy like Longfist and he does well there i don't know how bad we'll feel if we send away schneider and he's really good i think we'd feel worse mm-hmm. uh, you know he he's he's a possibility to be really good and we've seen that some of these you know big guys like schneider uh, makes a very big impact in a game. But I mean, we haven't seen Lundqvist really. I mean, listen, he's playing with Hayek and Nemeth. Like, the fact, I, I, I mean, Ashraki, we, we went over the analytics like oh, a couple yeah. weeks ago yeah. in regards to what was Lundqvist doing without Nemeth, and it was just a different player. So, I mean, I, 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 I don't think it's fair to evaluate him at this point. I, first of all, I think it's smart to put him in Hartford, uh, where he's playing top pair of minutes and he get his game. Uh, I don't think he was playing bad, personally. I, I thought he was playing just fine. But like you know, for him to be even that better player, I think it was smart. Um, Drew, you might you might uh, disagree with that one. What do you think? I, I agree. I thought Lundqvist was playing well, and um, I don't mind if, if he's having some confidence issues or something like that. I, I'm not in the room. I don't know how he feels. If that is the case, I don't mind sending him down to Hartford to let him just dominate on the top level line and i don't mind giving schneider a look again back to what i was saying before i'm cool with trying new things and seeing how it works but i agree with your assessment that lundquist was doing just fine um especially when he was away from some of the boat anchors that he was strapped with <laughs> um so the last thing before we go um do you see uh georgiev being traded because i here was the thing i spoke with shraggy about before before we go georgiev I mean, before these past two weeks, you saw Georgiev wasn't made to be... He's a good goalie. He wasn't made, though, to be a backup because Georgiev, in order to need to be good, he has to play consistently. And that's when he's good. But if he's not playing consistently, he's not great. So since he's not built to be a backup, do you maybe trade him and try to get another backup now while his trade value is high or...? Yeah, I mean, again, it comes back to what can you get for him. Um, But personally, I have no qualms trading him. I think he's a good backup. I don't think he's a true starter, though. I think he's more the one B type. Like you have a platoon, and he plays about half the games. But I don't think he's a Shesterkin type where you're rolling him out to play seventy five percent of the games or anything like that. Um. So yeah, sure. If if you have a team that's willing to pay a premium for him because they think he is a starting goalie, then yeah, I trade him no problem. Then roll Keith Kincaid as the backup, who I think was a perfectly fine backup goalie. All righty. Um. So that's it for this week's episode, uh, Drew. Before you go, you want to punch in your twitter handle all that yeah sure well first thank you guys so much for having me on always enjoyed chatting with rangers and had fun speaking with you both today um but yeah my handle is at drews underscore way so d-r-e-w-s underscore w-a-y and you can find my analytics and prospect nonsense on blueshirtsbreakaway.com all righty drew thanks so much for coming on really appreciate it man my pleasure thank you